SEC Chairman Gary Gensler was very disappointed by part of the Ripple XRP judgment. They said so in a video, which I will share with you guys later. I'm going to give you a wild guess as to which part Gary was disappointed about. What do you think? You think it was the part where they said that maybe Ripple is not, or XRP, is not in fact a security? Do you think that maybe Gary is slightly disappointed that uh, his opinion and views on what is and is not a security might not actually be the correct legal opinion? One of my favorite guests on today, Bruce Fenton, to discuss that very topic because we love dunking on Gary Gensler. I also have Trade Boy Cardi on the back of the show, going to share his views on the market, Bitcoin looking heavy, and a couple of trades that he's looking at right now. It's going to be a fun day. You guys don't want to, I say fun day, fun day, a fun day. You guys don't want to miss this. Let's go. Let's go. What is up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, also known as the Wolf of All Streets. Before we get started, please subscribe to the channel and take a basketball and dunk it on the like button right on top of Gary Gensler. It's fun watching the SEC lose. Now, right now, there's not that much to talk about in crypto. We kind of had this big news cycle with all the SEC enforcement actions and the BlackRock ETF. And now it seems we've reached that sort of midsummer malaise that we always get where you want to go outside and touch grass, maybe stick your toe in a lake or something, an ocean. I don't know what you people do with your free time. But that doesn't mean that just because there's no big news today, there's nothing to talk about because Gary, Gary, by contrary, is so disappointed. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and bring Bruce on and we're going to talk about it. But, but, but Bruce, Bruce, before we do it, let me play the video. I don't know if you actually saw it. But let, let's watch, because I, I, right. I just pulled it up. Here we go. Uh, you're, you won't be surprised. There's a lot of interest in cryptocurrency today. <laughs> really? Yes. And is this from ChatGPT? No. No, this, this, everything is from humans now. This, okay. these are, uh, uh, how does the federal court ruling last week in the Ripple case impact your stance toward digital asset regulation? Does it inject urgency into the need for federal legislation to clarify regulatory in- oversight of this industry? Um Look, our, our mission is, remains exactly what I spoke about earlier, about investor protection, promoting capital formation, and the markets in the middle. Um, this is a recent decision just a handful of days ago. Uh, we were uh, pleased uh, from that decision in recognizing uh, the importance of protecting investors on the institutional investors uh, in that, uh, and that the court uh, um, uh, movement with regard to um, fair notice uh, and while disappointed on what they said about retail investors, uh, we're still uh, looking at it and, and assessing that opinion. What does that even mean? <laughs> leave leave it to the press club to ask the real zingers, huh? Wouldn't it be neat if the press club had like journalists? Wouldn't that be neat if they had like actual journalists and they said like, you know, why did you meet Sam more than everybody else in the industry combined? You know, do you have ties with Sam's family? You know, those would have been the cool questions, but. Uh, yeah, I was shocked. I thought he would have said, hey, my bad. Looks like I was wrong. Made a bad call. The markets have spoken and the courts have spoken. Let's go forward, America, full steam ahead. Uh, <laughs> no, I yeah, mean, but, but, uh, but, but my narrative, right? Yeah. I mean, I, this, this very statement is disappointment, but what it's basing it on, I mean, it basically knocks the legs out of everything he's been arguing in 
the bulk of these enforcement actions. Binance obviously is its own thing, but Coinbase, I mean, of course he's disappointed because now he has literally nothing to go after Coinbase for. And they spent all these resources and all this time and money. And, you know, it really was, I think if we look at the, the history books on the, the judgment of, of when his fall was, the Coinbase lawsuit was just a bridge too far. Everybody knows, even people who hate Coinbase know that Coinbase has done every effort they can to be a good actor. They have made every effort possible to comply with the laws. They're not some cowboy out there. They're not. A, there's no allegation that they stole customer funds or anything like this. So it was just way too far of a reach to try and attack Coinbase on this, you know, nonsensical thing. And now, you know, su surprisingly, I, I didn't see this coming with uh, XRP. I I figured that, um, you know, that would have a harder case, uh, you know, for XRP, but. You know, the, I, I'm really glad about the decision. I mean, I think it's great. You know, we need to really, really reduce this administrative state. You know, this idea that bureaucrats like Gensler can just make up new rules is is a really, really bad idea. So we, we've got to reduce that. Hopefully, this is a big step in that. In that. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this, but Carolyn Pham from the CFTC, obviously, she's one of the five commissioners at the competing regulatory agency. She says that we're getting clarity here. So she takes the opposite. You know, last year I said that we were going to see regulatory clarity first in the courts around the definition of security. And I think we've seen that with some very big court opinions that have been released. So CFTC, or at least one commissioner from the CFTC, and I think general sentiment, people are moving on. This is yeah. done. Yeah, I mean, the industry, within uh, two hours of this decision, Coinbase and Kraken had both announced that they would uh, do do transactions in Ripple. Our, my company announced that we, we we would, as soon as we're technically able, we don't have any on-rails. We'd never worked with XRP before. But um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the law of the land as of this decision is that, you know, XRP is not a security. If XRP is not a security, then there's a whole, if you, if you, if you kind of draw a line of, you know, knowing that Tesla is definitely a security and Bitcoin is definitely not, there's a spectrum in between there. And, and XRP is, is, you know, closer to the Tesla side than the Bitcoin side. So if that's not a security, things like Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash, absolutely, definitely. And I've been arguing this for years. I know they're not securities, but now there's just no argument. Now, even things like ADA, Cardano, you know, things like that, that, that there might have been a gray area. People might have claimed it was a security or might not have. Uh, you know, I think this is a huge help to those things. The only thing they're going to be able to claim as a security is something that, you know, clearly is like an equity or stock or something. Yeah, and what I find really interesting is that we're seeing all this pushback, SEC, a lot of lawyers, opinions, and everybody saying the SEC will appeal and that maybe the Judge Torres decision is actually based on false knowledge or that it's a crappy decision or whatever. But what they're not talking about is that even if the SEC appeals, we're talking about a year, year and a half down the road. Oh, I think they can't even appeal until next year, and then it would be a couple of years. And, you know, of course, Ripple XRP would drag that out forever. You know, they would, they would, you know, because you can go into court and, you you know, you could say, oh, the, the lawyer has a previous engagement. Give me three months, three months, three months, three months. They'll drag that out. You know, it might be three years um, and it'll be a different administration, uh, you know, different chair, different rules. By then, Congress might have acted, you know, so this is, is kind of a done deal. And also, it's sort of like, if if this becomes the law of the land and you see lots and lots of exchanges trading XRP, which we probably will and we should see, then it's even harder for a, a court later on to say, no, 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 this court was wrong. I'm going to reverse the decision. You know, so it's kind of hopefully a done deal.
And hopefully we, you know, I do agree. We are seeing this clarity. It's in a, it's in a good way too. I mean, if we come out of this with something that says, Hey, you've got to register uh, or be exempt, an exempt offering under the rules when you issue it using reg D or whatever. And then once it trades, uh, if it doesn't meet, if it doesn't continue to meet the criteria of being a security, it's not a security. I mean, that that's pretty good. That would be kind of a good victory. I mean, it'd be kind of cool if you could, and then maybe it's a small win for the SEC too. They can make you fill out the paperwork when you first sell it. And then once it's out there, you you, you don't have to continue. Cause, cause the thing is, and a lot of people don't realize this, you know, this, this come on in and register thing doesn't work because, uh, you know, something like XRP can't comply. They can't be a publicly traded company. They don't have quarterly reports, statements of beneficial ownership, uh, you know, audited boards, you know, all of these kind of things. And they couldn't do it even if they wanted to. Neither could Ethereum or a lot of other projects. Yeah, I just love the fact that no matter what happens, basically we have this two-year Goldilocks period here or something or even more where all of these companies can basically say, look, we're not securities and everybody can be happy. And like you said, the environment will be so different by the time this is even being brought back in the courts that I think it's basically a done deal. I really like it. But interestingly, there are a lot of people out there uh, in the crypto community, I guess we'll call it the crypto community, in the Bitcoin community, who are also on Gary Gensler's side here. They're very disappointed. Surprising. It's very surprising. I never thought I'd saw that. You know, I used to be in the anti-war movement. I still am. And I was always surprised that people would just switch. They become pro-war based on whether their party was was pro-war or not. And and yeah, the, it's a really, really, really bad take by, uh, and I always make sure to note that it's a subset of Bitcoiners. You know, I'm a Bitcoiner. Yes. You're a Bitcoiner. Udi's a Bitcoiner. There's a lot of Bitcoiners. And then there's a subset of kind of maximalists and a subset of that. And then a, a subset, you know, you have maximalists like Giacomo Zucco and others who completely you know they can't stand any other coin but they don't want the government to be the one to enforce that and that's the i i think wise opinion it's totally antithetical to, to bitcoin ideals free markets and, and in my opinion cypherpunk values if you say you, you know the government should um you, you know stop this uh, this instrument from trading you know that's not what free markets are about you can get into the legal question of you know is it a security or not under the law that's one question but yeah, the, the bigger one is, should these laws even exist and should the government be in the position of stopping XRP or Bitcoin Cash or BSV for that matter or anything else? Um, you know, should the government, I say no, not, 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 they, they, it's not a legitimate role of government. The only legitimate role of government would be, you know, if anything would be limited to protecting people from fraud. You know, if somebody outright fraud, you know, you know, defraud somebody. Right, and those laws, laws already so. exist, and so do theft. Theft's another thing. You know, hacking obviously should be illegal. If somebody hacks and steals your coins, that should be illegal. But it already is. You know, theft and fraud are illegal. There's not much else that the that the that the SEC does, and all the SEC was supposed to do is just make things work right and and help protect in fraud and help capital formation. That's what it was originally designed for. It's like, hey, let's help more American companies go public. That's what it's in its original mission. If you look back, right, we've talked about this at length on. On spaces, obviously, you've been registered. You talk about with Finra for decades. You, you, more than anyone probably in this space, you know what hurdles and obstacles and headaches come with being fully registered. But you haven't always been quote unquote anti SEC, right? I mean, you've you've seen a lot of good that the SEC has done uh, for transparency and things like that. So it's really about this SEC for you. Oh yeah, moment, right. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a libertarian and cap, so I'm not in favor of any kind of government regulation in general. 
And when I was running for Senate and all through, you know, my advocacy over the last, you know, couple decades, I've always uh, been in favor of cutting government agencies. But the SEC, honestly, wasn't one of the ones high on the list. There's a whole bunch of ones that historically have been much more worse and invasive and are much larger. And uh, honestly, as a professional, even as a as a libertarian, uh, you know, under the thumb of the SEC for 30 years, I never really had a problem with them. I mean, you know, for most of my career, what they did is they they, uh, you, you know, just like I don't have a problem with the state police in New Hampshire. I never interact with them. The state police has given me zero hassles about anything ever in my life in New Hampshire. Nothing. I never interacted with them in any negative way. As far as I know, all they're doing is, you know, capturing bad guys, which is exactly what police are supposed to do. Uh, and SEC for, for 90% of my career, that's what it was. It's like, oh, these are the ones who go after scammers. Well, now they don't go after scammers. Now they go after kind of everybody. They go after political opponents. They go after people they don't like. And mainly they spend a lot of their effort going after people who didn't dot the I's or cross the T's on paperwork. And even worse, inventing new paperwork that nobody could even comply with, like Coinbase's case, where they're just saying, you know, just something that they completely uh, pulled out of thin air to try and gain political points rather than actually try and stop scammers or try and protect the public or help with capital formation, which is what their mission is. You mentioned that uh, as a regulated entity that you would immediately now be theoretically utilizing Ripple. What does that actually, or XRP, what does that actually look like from your perspective now in context of this regulatory regime? How would you use it? What do you have to do to say that you're going to be able to use it? What would you, you know? Get so that? we have, uh, the, the, the rules are still quite clunky. We have a registered broker dealer called Watchdog Capital. And that that company is registered with the SEC, can, so can do registered listed securities, either private securities, you know, companies that are not publicly traded yet, uh, or companies that are public, like you know, Coinbase or Tesla or or or, or, or Google or whatever. Um, and then we we because those none of those companies, no regulated SEC company is allowed to really work with with any kind of crypto, including Bitcoin. So you have to do it through a separate entity. So that's how Robinhood and Fidelity and other registered firms like us. They do it through a separate entity. So I'm a big believer in open markets. And, and a lot of this is an interesting point that I know you'll appreciate because a lot of, you know, this kind of subset of Bitcoiners, they seem to be against markets and coming from the markets my whole life, all my life. You know, when I first started as a, as a stockbroker, as a teenager, basically, um, we listed everything. All brokerages list everything. It's just like Walmart or something like that. Your goal as a store is to list every single thing, even if you hate it, even if you can't stand it, even if it's, you know, uh, the, the worst coin there is out there, you still want to list it because if nothing else, you want to recommend to the person like, hey, Scott, sell that you know, piece of junk and buy some, <laughs> some Bitcoin. Yeah. You want them to be able to, you want to provide liquidity to those people who are in the, I'm not going to pick on any particular coin, but you know, whatever the worst coin that you hate the most is, you still want people to be able. So this idea coming into Bitcoin from open markets and having people be like, no, only th certain things. If you list you know, people giving my friend Eric Voorhees a hard time, like you listed junk and therefore you're, I just don't get that mentality at all. Um, you know, as a, as a financial company, I would list every single thing I could, if I could press one button right now and know that I'm not going to have, uh, regulatory issues. And I know that I can technically do it. I would list everything. Does that mean I'm going to recommend it? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend hacks for example, but I would certainly recommend, I would, I would list anything anything out there, whether you like it or not, I would list it and allow people to buy it and mostly sell it. And I would recommend that they sell it and buy something else in many cases. And that's been Coinbase's approach, right? They had this, right. we'll list, list everything approach that Brian Armstrong was pretty outspoken about a couple of years ago. So you're not the only one who thinks that. 
And I think that's the right approach. Exactly what you said. Let the people trade, man. And no better, no, there's no better regulator than the markets. You know, Gary Gensler can't second guess the market. The markets will work. And a lot of these, so the interesting thing with this argument, this kind of uh, statist argument that you see with this subset of Bitcoiners, you know, my attitude is like, well, what are you worried about? If you allow, if the SEC allows everybody to list everything and everybody lists it, and I have 5,000 tokens and Coinbase and, and Kraken and everybody else has 5,000 tokens, what are you worried about? Are you worried about like, oh no, those tokens are just going to take over Bitcoin They're good because now that somebody allows them to be sold? No, the markets are going to take care of it. It's going to be fine. You know, we, if, if something is junk, the markets, the masses are out there. You, you're out there. The listeners are out there. The people are out there, especially if you can short it. You know, people will sell the stuff, you know, the believe in the pricing of the markets. The markets know what stuff is worth and they're going to price it exactly fairly over time. I agree. So I know you're not necessarily looking at markets to any great degree, but do you think that this should generally be bullish for the market here? Or what are you thinking when you look at uh, the, the market at this point? I mean, Bitcoin at exa this exact moment doesn't look uh, uh, the greatest that it's ever looked, but we did see the massive move on this basically from 25,000 to 31. That was on the ETF news. And Bitcoin hasn't really moved on the Ripple news at all. We saw a lot of altcoins yeah. that, had, that had gone down because of uh, the SEC enforcement actions bounce back to where they were, you know, Matic, ADA, kind of the ones you named, Solana that have been named in this. But Bitcoin's done kind of nothing. You've been around a long time. Are you surprised that Bitcoin didn't react to this Ripple news? Not really. Nothing surprises me too much. I mean, I think some of the people take the money off of Bitcoin to buy some of these other coins. You know, those buyers are going to be Bitcoin holders. Um, you know, I think overall, you know, and, and this is also a counter narrative. And I, I think it's emerging now with people like Udi and others who've kind of talked about this. You know, there, I, I think there needs to be a place for kind of this this open market idea. I think we can all be. It's maybe sounds naive or silly, but I think we can all be friends. You know, I think I think that we can have this this you know broader industry where we don't look at it like you know this adversarial thing. You know, tribalism doesn't work in investing. You know, in, in the in the traditional markets, you don't have the people being like. I'm a Microsoft guy. You're a tech. I mean, you do a little bit, a couple of people on Twitter, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not, not smart. Investors don't do that. Smart investors are focused on what works. And if somebody, you know, if you're, if you're like, okay, I'm a full Bitcoin person and I believe in Bitcoin as the best chain, you, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not that effective to sit there hating on some other, you know, chains jokes about like, you don't get many gold bugs who are like, I, you do get gold bugs who are this passionate to some degree, but you don't get them going like Amazon stock is a scam. Yeah, or silver. Because it's like, I hate silver. Silver's for losers. <laughs> Gold's worth a thousand times more. Yeah, I like gold, therefore I hate Google. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. I think that, I hope that we'll see more of a kind of rising tides lift all boats. You know, I'd like to go back to more of the 2013 kind of ethos where we viewed it all as one industry. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to accept scams and junk and stuff. Sure, there's junk, of course. You know, but but I think I really do think it is one, you, you know, overall industry that has a lot of uh, connections. And I think that that Bitcoin has been helped by all coins, including Ethereum and trading and the narrative and defining itself against that. And I think that that, you know, obviously, Bitcoin, you know, Ethereum has been helped by Bitcoin and all these other projects. And, um, you know, so I, I kind of hope that I hope this will will be a tide that lifts all boats. You know, if you have if it helps with more clarity for something like XRP, I hope that actually helps Bitcoin because if, if the industry is help, healthier, the whole broad industry, and that includes finance or whatever, even people you, you may disagree with their use case, 
I think that makes the overall industry a lot healthier. I, I don't think an industry where some tyrant in offices, uh, you know, concrete offices in Washington is putting his thumb out there and saying there can only be three assets, Litecoin, Bitcoin, and, you know, whatever. I don't Bitcoin think that's a good cash. world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bitcoin needs economic freedom to work. And freedom means, like, let people do their stuff. Let the markets figure out what things are worth. Don't worry about it so much. I've made the argument in the past to uh, much the chagrin of Bitcoiners or to a lot of controversy. CZ, Brian Armstrong, the guys that are these massive shitcoiners have brought exponentially more people into Bitcoin than Bitcoiners have. I also make the argument that Dogecoin and memes and all the things that get people trading this market as speculators, even if 90% of those people disappear, the 10% that stay have learned more about Bitcoin, opened a wallet. And probably that's done more for Bitcoin than angry Bitcoiners. Absolutely. It's a learning curve. Almost everybody in Bitcoin starts out trading. You know, for, first they start trying to mine and then they then they start trying to trade. That, and then they try and find the next Bitcoin and then they wonder who Satoshi is. And then, then they go through a cycle. And uh, and it's similar in the, in the traditional markets. You know, when I was a little, I, I was lucky enough because my mom was in the industry. I started as a really, really little kid. But... Uh, a lot of people have this little kid mentality. Same thing I had when I was 10. I'm like, oh, I want to buy penny stocks because they're cheap. That's what I thought when I was 10. And unfortunately, there's a lot of, you know, 35 year olds with the same idea. And so you see it in the traditional markets. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with penny stocks uh, and junk bonds. Let people buy them. But overall, ultimately, people gravitate towards the quality assets. And you have people who look and say, what's the earnings? What's this company do? That kind of thing. And you're going to have the same in this space you have. And also, you know, you, you don't want to be too broad of a brush to just say every single thing is always junk. Collectibles are not junk. Collectibles are a multi-billion dollar I- industry. I have them all over in the background. I didn't buy any of these NFTs because I think they're ridiculous. I have a, you know, really cool piece of art right behind me here that costs a lot less than most NFTs and is worth a lot more. Um, but they still have value. And so do securities have value for sure. Everything's going to be tokenized, Tesla and everything. BlackRock has said that. That's a really, really big deal, yeah. by the way. Um, and like to ignore that part too. Yeah. You know, so, so the, you know, these narratives, I, I mean, even, that debate, uh, even safety admits yeah. that securities are going to, I mean, even safety and we used to uh, debate this a little bit, you know, years ago, but even safety as you know, knows that securities, I mean, securities are securities. Anybody who understands the economy knows that. Um, if you just because you tokenize something, if 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 Elon does what Overstock did, Overstock tokenized part of their publicly traded stock, you know, a a several hundred million dollar, sometimes billion dollar company. Tesla could do exactly the same thing. Overstock did it legally under the rules. He could do it on any chain he wants. Uh, Ethereum, Bitcoin, he could use Dogecoin. And a lot of people would be really annoyed if he used Dogecoin. But you know what? It doesn't mean that that is. Uh, a junk asset. It's it's going to have value because Tesla has value or SpaceX or whatever he did it with. So, you know, those tokens are going to have value. Collectibles are going to have value. There's probably other things that do. And maybe there'd be more, more than one kind of form of money, but this is all real early anyway. We might as well experiment, try stuff. You know, I'm not too active with other chains and things, but I'm a, I'm a big believer in experimentation. I encourage everybody to, you know, go try new things. Totally agree. Bruce, I'm going to see you on Twitter spaces in about 50 minutes, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much for all of your insight and for uh, showing up to dunk on the SEC with me. You're my favorite person to do that with. So anytime Thank I you get you a here we are. Thanks, man. <laughs> see, you, uh, see you in a few minutes. <laughs> Bye. All right, guys. Uh, obviously, I totally agree with Bruce's uh, perspective there, and you should show up for Twitter Spaces at 1015. And now, as you know, on the back half of the show, we've been moving on to trades and traders. Now, somebody said, Jay, 
where is Cardi? He's my idol. He's my idol. Not often do I get to just flat out bring somebody's idol on, but I'm going to do it right now. We, got, we don't do the anonymous people very much, but we got Trade Boy Cardi, but he does have the uh, psycho. You got the psycho, so you're cool. What's up, man? Scott, how you been, man? How's it, how's it going? I, I can't complain uh, unless Bitcoin just dumps here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you're still like, you're trading this five-minute charts all day right as a as a job so you're you're deeper in the weeds on this than i am i'm gonna go ahead and drop your charts on here what are you looking at right now for bitcoin broad strokes so bitcoin like uh on the intraday like i so in terms of like uh bitcoin i'll trade it intraday ETH as well but like the altcoins unless it's like the top mover of the day um i'll just play them in the higher time frames these days i'm uh, taking a different approach to the market since uh we last spoke say two years ago or one uh, maybe three um, on another live stream. Um, Bitcoin right now, I mean, uh, there's not much to tell you, it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't really, I don't really like put anything on my charts. Um, it's just like kind of like naked, but like, uh, I was sure yesterday we saw this in the bounce and if you, and for the people watching, if you see a bounce like this, it doesn't make a new high. I mean, I'm a pretty like, uh, easy invalidation here. Right. So if it doesn't make a new high, you're going like this. And then, like, I guess you target new lows for like a two percent move. But um, yeah, since we like, I used to be the one minute guy. I used to trade a lot in one minute. And yeah, maybe Bitcoin I will trade more so on the one minute just for you know scalping in and out. Not now because it's so illiquid, so you can't really uh, make the same moves that you can make once to one spoke um, a few years ago. But um, I'm I'm I'm, out, I'm pretty bullish. Like, even though the market's looking like. Well, I, I, this to me is a dip to buy. I'm looking for, I, I, I think maybe 28.6 is what I've kind of been looking at for, for, for quite a while. But yeah, I, I, I'm not, when I say it looks like it's ready to dump, it looks like it's ready to dump to head back up. I just think it needs liquidity. That, that 31, there's so many wicks above it to me. It just looks like it's just not ready to go yet. I feel like it's doing something like this and then right back up. So it'll do something like this. Um, so maybe like, bleed here and then back up um i'm actually looking for what yeah something similar like what you just said more so like uh this area like 28 to 28 let's call it 28 8 um yeah, i'm looking at yeah like a lot of people are going to buy these stops um like the equal lows here there's going to be a lot of bids here um don't want to buy them when it looks like this especially on the daily not not necessarily. I mean, if there's a strong reaction here, I'll find a way to get back in on that one minute um, and place for some upside. But um, at the moment, uh, I think that's a crowded trade. It's pretty obvious. I mean, actually, lately, it seems like a pretty obvious trade is the one that actually pays. But uh, yeah, 20, that 25,000 was like the most obvious trade everybody was watching for months and it played out perfectly. Yeah, exactly. Like you wanted to buy like this, like area consolidation as previous high here, right? And it came down and then boom, see you later. So, um, it's like, uh, it's looking pretty, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not like every time you think it's going to break down, like here, here's a, like a little like uh, alpha for your viewers, like a range will, will, uh, exist longer than you think. Right. So everybody, every single time it came down here, I guarantee shorted, yep. right? Yeah. Everybody shorted. And every time it came up here, everybody long, um, for ages, I wanted to like get these, these swept up here. All right. And, uh, the amount of times I got faked out trying to get this. I eventually got it. And it was because of the ripple news. Um, but yeah, and then the same thing down here, like you want this area 
But I think it's greater to buy it down in this area, like where you have like the consolidation year, the 29, so like 28.8, maybe all the way down to like 27.9. And you catch this, you want to swing it. I don't want to, I, I don't want to take it on like a one minute time frame. Like I'm trying to, so in this part of the cycle, like I'm trying to actually like build, um, not only my personal, but on like, uh, with my firm, um, for people who don't know, I'm a, I'm a prop trader, um, senior trader at the a prop firm. And, uh, I'm just trying to build bags that I can hold going into like the 2024 having, I have like a pretty bullish outlook and I have like a pretty decent macro thesis in my mind that I'm going to play. And so far all my, my, uh, my macro plays have, have like played out. Like I've been very, I've been lucky enough, like not to be wrong that often. Like I bought the FTX, like 16 K yeah. I bought like, I bought like tether FUD. Um, I think like in the, like in the low twenties or something like that. Um, I mean, you've got a really low cost basis on your longer term bag here. Yeah. I'm, I'm really like focusing like on the, on the longer term bag. Like I want to buy the FUD, um, unless there's like extreme, extreme FUD, but like I've been around this industry so long. Like, so when Gary was going after, um, like all these like crypto companies and we're seeing that bleed all the way down 25 K here. Like, um, I was extremely bullish. Like I was like, this is all coordinated. And like when I do my, my investment thesis, so like, I know you're talking, you know, you know, I come from a training background, but when I do my investment thesis, cause I do invest in bags too, in this space, of course they're like based off the charts when I'm going to enter and like my invalidations and stuff like that. But it's a lot of it's based on like the news headlines and like how I interpret them. I mean, I like, I compile news headlines, um, every single day that I think would affect all markets, including crypto. And like the flood of like Gary going after like um, all these companies, it was way too coordinated in my mind. It was like one after the other after the other. I was like, okay, like this is like just getting ridiculous. It's not like it's a one-off, right? So like it's going to cause panic in the markets. And then what really like gave me confirmation like to buy this area here was like George Soros coming out and saying like he's bullish on crypto. Like, I'm not like, I don't want to like come on this show and be like conspiracy theorist at all, but like George Soros. Oh, we do that here all the time. Okay. Then in that, in that case, that man, that man is like, uh, like they snuck that headline in, at, in between the FUDs. It was like FUD, 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 George, FUD, FUD, FUD. I was like, man, like this guy is like, he's got to be, have his hand in the pocket somehow here. And you know, he was waiting for a dip and now he's in, he said, okay, I'm good. And then the FUD stopped and then we rallied up. So, I mean, like that was like pretty good conviction for me to like make the play and then we talking about Fink or are we talking about... I didn't even see Soros news, so I didn't know. We're talking about Larry Fink, yeah. This is pre-Fink. This is pre-Fink. So it was like during the FUD, we had like Gary going after SEC, DOJ, all this kind of stuff. Gary SEC. Gary's yeah, going after Binance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, SEC going after Binance. SEC going after all these tokens, like nonstop. And uh, it was pretty much like... And then they snuck it in, like George Soros is bullish on crypto. Like, so if you guys... The people that are listening, um, I, I do a newsletter with my uh, my prop shop every week. Well, in the summer, it's every two weeks. But we spoke about this. We snuck in the George. We, we highlighted the George Soros news, like around this. Yeah, area. it was June seventh. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, so like that, they snuck that in a bunch with all that. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I remember what whether it's true or not. I remember what this guy did during the George Floyd, Floyd riots, like with the funding and all that kind of stuff. I remember what he did with the British pound. You know, like. This guy's not a good human being. And like, 
to say that he has, doesn't have his hand in crypto, we know he does. In the bull run, he was like bullish at the top, so he got people wrecked. Um, but like on the way down, he's bullish here. Like George Soros, but I'm like I'm pretty sure he's short here. So I'm like, uh, I feel like the the fud was coordinated. It was too easy for me. I bought, and like I also bought like Solana, like in the thirteens. I was like, yeah. So what do you? What alts are you? Are you looking? You said you sort of swing the alts on bigger positions. What are you looking at now? And what's your general vibe on the altcoin market? Yeah. So like right now in the altcoin market, I'm extremely bullish. I'm, I'm so bullish on the alts, but it's like still the market's still PVP. Like it's still peer to peer. Um, like there's it's low liquidity, and aside from like the coin that's moving the most on the day. I don't know what's a good chart to think of. Like, I don't know, let's look at like XTZ for a second, all right? Like, and hey, I don't know what's going to be the most today. I can like, show here. Like, no one knows what I can hear. Here's kind of the big movers Sui's up 8%, HBAR 5%, XTC 6 Link is up. So yeah. it's been performing a bit. Yeah. So if you, if you go to like these like low, like the low time frames on some of these charts, like I, I say now, probably your listeners don't remember like from our day, but this looks like Sega Genesis, like some 8 bit <laughs> chart. So, like, I'm not going to, like, uh, I wouldn't trade this. I wouldn't have bids on this. But, like, if you're looking at, say, like, like Pepe or, like, Solana, let's call it Solana. Like, Solana, I'm super bullish on. I was bullish down here in the 12s for, like, and the 13s for, like, on this capitulation for a reason. One, for a few reasons. And, like, when I do my investments, I also look at, like, the worst case scenarios. Like, how could this go lower aside from price action? And in the Solana's case, um... The biggest backer of the of the space committed the biggest fraud in the second biggest fraud in human history. That came as the dip. Yeah, yeah. And it didn't go to zero. It didn't go to zero. And then, you know, all the guys that were bullish on this space, sorry, on Solana, which chill it nonstop, like the Maddie, like the Sino Capitals, like the multi coins, like these guys got wiped out on FTX. So all the guys that were like super, like if you want to call them good or bad actors, on your opinion, like the Shillers are gone because they've trusted FTX since there was Sam. And it's like the third biggest used chain after after Bitcoin and ETH. So like, why wouldn't this exist? Like, you go on TikTok, like all these kids, like when they're around, they talk about Solana NFTs more than they talk about ETH NFTs just because of the gas fees. So like, I mean, like they'll come back eventually. So it's just a good mindset to like buy something like this down that low and look what happened. I mean, we saw like... Yeah, but when you say you're super bullish on alt right now, you mean like we go into a full-on, full-blown, multiple... 10x type alt season or you're looking to scalp them no no scalping like uh i mean i have like my like if something's like moving like crazy on the intraday i'm gonna scalp them but like i have like certain coins that i'm adding to like a bag with slides so i have like solana i have pepe which i'm gonna like i mean it looks like it's at like support here but i would buy it all the way down like every dip like everybody hates this website with a passion nfts are in capitulation right now um so that's why i want to buy blur people are like uh saying nonsense would you actually buy it at, at fts like would you buy it ape when they're you know 20 something floor or you just focus on the coins that are associated no 100 percent, i would buy listen that they always find a way to give money to like uh their community even though like their community is kind of a bit of a cult in my mind <laughs> but yeah, um that's what you need if you're going to make money yeah exactly i mean so is pepe right and so it's right. Solana to to their own degrees you know 100 percent. like i consider like on the ape floor i consider the apes like either the bitcoin or the eth of nfts or you, now you can call it the punks like the bitcoins yeah. like the ogs and then like the eth is like the apes 
Um, so if they'll start spiking up, all the other NFTs will spike up again. And then like this should spike up. Like this is the only exposure you have to the NFT market. Like for like uh, the biggest marketplace aside from OpenSea, like they don't have a token, right? So that's why I want to look at this. Even though like the market cap is a bit high, like I don't see why it can't come back to at least like 80 cents. And I've shared it publicly. I'm buying every dip. Um, and then like, so like, like yeah, for my, my bags that I'm looking at, like I'm, I'm bullish on the alts just because like, I know how this space works. Like, and if you just look right now, like everybody's shilling roll bit, right? And yeah, it's a, it's a casino, but like this whole entire industry, aside from like, let's call it Bitcoin. Is a casino. Is a casino. So the money is always going to come in here and the money always flows down. And I've tweeted it. I have it. I used to have it as my pinned tweet and now it's in my highlights. Like two years ago, I knew this ETF thing was going to happen eventually with the big boys. I didn't expect BlackRock to come in, to be honest, but like, now that BlackRock and Vanguard are coming on the ETF, like, in my mind, this ETF will pass. Like, the BlackRock will pass. Um, they just have way too much political power for it to not pass. Like, like I mean, they're rebuilding Ukraine, so, I mean, that helps the Democrats' cause. And, like, they're big Democratic donors. I don't see why they wouldn't get passed, but I'm not, I'm not a lawyer or an expert, but I have a pretty strong gut feeling. And then, so once those guys come in, like, you have, like... Um, you know, the uh, the Vanguards and BlackRock, the rest are irrelevant to my mind, but those two, like the, the volatility that we see in Bitcoin will like cease to exist. It'll trade like the S&P, like the ES. I agree. They're going to just flatten it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be like, I mean, you'll have your like crazy moves on news or whatnot, but like in terms of like extrapolating like like alpha from, or like making money on this or like positive EV positions would be way harder. It's just going to be like, because their algorithms are better than any like human that exists. And their algorithms are better than the algorithms that exist in crypto right now. And like Citadel's coming in too. So like once you put all three of those together, like the volatility is done. Like it's going to trade like gold or like the ES. And yeah, you can make money, but it's not, it's not going to be worth trading. So like the average participant, like they're not going to trade the ETF, but the money's going to like just flow downwards, right? So, and we always know that like if Bitcoin were to go to like 40K today, like even though let's say it was ETF related, like the ultimate would eventually see money. Because you get retail back in and they think to themselves, like, sorry for those people, it's like a news terminal. Um, you would hear, you'd see like uh, nonstop, like retail just funneling down, the mainstream media picking up. You, you you know, you go back on TikTok and you see like the kids talking about crypto again. And like they would just, money would just flow down. Like the meme season, we had like a little hiccup of it, like a, a bit new money entered the space. But like, imagine like the meme coin season across all the alts because there's no, no way. I mean, that's it's not, that's just the old school alt season, right? I mean, exactly. we used to see that. Exactly. And yet, like, how aggressive it was when shit you'd never heard of, it was, like, 20x in a day. The best. That's how it used like, to be. Man, I remember in 2017, you just threw a dart at a board, and then, like, uh, you made five. Yeah, I would buy 50 things, and then when they went up 10x, I would just sell and buy something else that hadn't moved. That was literally my entire strategy. Yeah, and, 20, and 2021 was, was, in my opinion, harder than 2017. Yes, I know they're printing in great money, but, like, in terms of the easy of making money in crypto, 2017 was a joke compared to 2021. Yeah, 2021, we, we still had those crazy, like, flushes because all the altcoins were on, like, USDT pairing, whereas, like... Yeah, in 20, it was only the coin pairs. Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And but then, like... So that's why... So the money's just going to flow down, and then, like... Then that's when I started looking at, like, certain narratives that I think would have, like, a rally to the next cycle. So I have, like, a friend of mine very close who's made the most amount of money in crypto... Um that I know, I'm not going to like share his name, 
<laughs> but of like all the people that I know in real life, he's made the most amount. And like he's he's American, and one of the banks that he uses like stopped servicing him because of like you know the crypto exposure and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and it just infuriated him because he has like so much money with them. Uh, he has like mortgages through that everything you know like because he does like real estate investments as well and he's like listen like going to like the like he's in crypto he's not like just like a non-nate like a non-crypto user he's like been around just as long as us and he says listen you know what like my portfolio like all these like i'll always continue to trade just so i have something to do during the day and like uh, he loves the markets the guy's like married he's like he just loves them like non-stop he just talks about them all the time which is which is great um, but he says, like, he diversified his portfolio into real estate for, like, investment properties. And then he made a pretty good comment to me, which I'd, like, I didn't think about this, but he's, because the banking issue really doesn't affect me where I live, but, like, it affected him, and I imagine it affects a lot of people. He's, like... Yeah, the matter guy, for sure. Exactly. He's, like, I don't trust the banks. So, like, I'd rather just buy, like, like, I'd rather just stake ETH and earn 5% a year. And, like, he's, like, I could just hedge the returns if I have to. Um, if yeah. I think the market's bearish, and it, it made it made like, I didn't, I never thought of it like that. But he's like, I still get five percent. It'd be the, sometimes the same things you'd earn in real estate. Same mentality as buying uh, treasuries, yeah, exactly. Same for, for, like, for free, exactly. So like the treasuries, but those yields won't always be around treasuries. I don't know if the ETH yield is always going to be around five percent. Right. But having said that, um, that made like a like a pretty good, um, like idea in my mind, and because of that. Like I'm bullish on like the liquid staking DeFi, so like guys yeah. like take that and like um, and like you know like earn like leverage their staked e uh, ETH and all that kind of stuff. And I think yeah. that's gonna happen. So you're bullish on DeFi. I I feel the same way. I gotta pack it in and get ready to head over to uh, Spaces. But just to this is the last one. Bullish. Yeah, go ahead. Last one. Last, so we we saw like uh, Pendle go to like uh, Binance. This is the same concept. Staked ETH, liquid staking DeFi low market cap unless i'm not trying to shell like a coin like i own this so i will say i own it so please don't buy it but i do like <laughs> I, I do i do believe like a coin like this like lbr would, like would be worth like a speculative play in a portfolio of, let's say under one percent and then you just see what like what the upside is so and if, you, if it goes to zero then like you lost less than one percent you don't care you know but i'm super yeah. bullish scott i know like every market is big me too and but like uh, it's coming man like the the next wave is coming Awesome, man. I couldn't agree more. So, uh, tons of alpha there, man. Now you rattled it off. I really appreciate that. Um, now we can let you go back to scalping the one minute charts on Epa. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, guys, everybody follow Trade Boy Cardi on Twitter. It's just tra it's Twitter. It's slash Trade Boy Cardi, right? It's, it's at oh, Trade Boy Cardi 16. Guys, go follow him. Oh, 16. That's right. Tons, uh, tons of alpha. One of my favorite people to follow. And we, we chat in the background quite a bit. So, uh, incredible perspective, man. Thank you for coming on and sharing your views. Thanks so much, buddy. Have a good day. You too. All right, guys. Now we got to head over, get ready for Twitter spaces, you know, because the party never stops, even on a day when there is no actual news. Of course, got to go check out Meld. Look, we had the banner up and everything. There's a bannery thing. Check them out. Get a bunch of free stuff. But yeah, you can actually uh, earn yield. It, actually, on Sunday, so two days ago, I put out a podcast conversation with Ken Alling from Meld, he's the CEO. Uh, he's awesome, and you should just listen to that, right? We talked about, not not really just about Meld, but about the future of DeFi and 
understanding the risk in yield. The yield is still a good thing, but it has to you have to choose and understand the risk of doing it. it. Has to be transparent, and you have to hold your own keys and hold your own assets. It has to be non-custodial. So just check that out. Do it. Do it. Check it out. Otherwise, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace. Bye. Later. See ya. Vamos. Let's go.